There we go. I think it might be today that you guys might, t- tonight maybe, that you guys might be coming over? Mm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's the idea. I, I think that's the, the plan anyway, so that would be, be good. We can obviously catch up then. Um, is <laughs> six on the dot, both children sort of wake up, so. <laughs> Good day today. Yeah, yeah, just just before it's like Luella starts sort of waking up, although she is likely to go back down when he's kind of like, when he's like, is the door closed? Because they like closed the door this morning to, you know, so that the sound doesn't travel <laughs> as much. But um, yeah, she uh, she will get a star if she sort of just goes back to sleep. And, uh, Ooh, and a star, and what does a star, a star get you? I have no idea. We haven't discovered that yet. Uh, we need more stars. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she just started to wake up a little bit earlier. And, and so we're just trying to teach her that she can sort of relax and, and stay calm till sort of seven till the sun's up on her little clock. So oh, nice. hopefully that, uh, that works just because <laughs> mommy and daddy like uh, to at least sleep till seven uh, usually. So that's nice. All right. Well, we can, um, we can jump into it, Josh. I feel like it's a, a, a fun little chapter. Sounds good. <clears throat> just organize my screen. I'm in my, uh, oh backup recording studio today yeah yeah i like it 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 was uh it was quite nice like light and bright you know i i Mm, was like oh that's a that's a nice spot there um do you do you think it gives much echo in that room because like wooden floors or Uh, i'm not hearing anything because it's like a good microphone so um yeah yeah Yeah, i don't know I, i i would only think that it would be more but no just because there's no carpet even but yeah that's true no it sounds good sounds good Cool. All right. Ready? Yep. Okay. Welcome to Mafliato, a Harry Potter podcast where we fill your ears to prevent you from hearing nearby conversations. I'm Josh. And I'm Blake. And today we seem to have misplaced one of our boots as we continue our journey through Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and come now to the sixth chapter, The Port Key. Uh, well, here we have Josh rolling, introducing a yet another method of travel. And I, I wonder if she has kind of like a list of all these methods of travel, realizing that, you know, there are gaps in some of the ways that, you know, she does, she, you know, the things that she has as travel, right? Like she's got obviously the, uh, the apparition, uh, apparition, but like that can't be done by everybody and broomsticks. Well, you know, there's limitations to that. Right. So I feel like Porky mm. fills a, a good gap. It's kind of like the, you know, the flu powder, but, you know where you can separate that from fireplaces yeah well and in addition to not everybody being able to apparate um there's also the issue of although it does seem to be a bit inconsistent but yeah the issue of of uh, how well you need to know the place that you're apparating to Um, because i imagine that for the world cup a lot of people wouldn't have known that wood very well no yet they're still able to apparate there so it's a bit interesting yeah they they had to kind of pick like a secluded area so i doubt Mm, anybody yeah you know, except the people who have been scouting that area from the Ministry of Magic yeah. would have gone there. So I can, I can maybe they show like a a travel video beforehand <laughs> on a on a projection screen so that yeah. you know what you're you, where you're, you're going to go to this spot. Uh, this is this yeah. is your yeah. spot. Here are some lovely patches of grass that you can operate I, to. I think 
I think we need to see the uh, like the travel agent who hooked people up for these trips. I, I can yeah. only imagine that would have been an interesting. Yeah, yeah, the 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 magic travel agent. Like that's got to be you know there's got to be some little travel uh, you know place in uh, you know Hogsmeade and and Diagon Alley. Can't imagine that... a lot of money there though, Blake. You know how are how are yeah. they getting any kind of commission if you don't have to pay to operate? You know that is true. Maybe it is a maybe it is a ministry funded. You know. Oh. So, some there kind of go. thing that helps uh, helps people to, uh, to to work out the best travel for them, you know. You know, do you think that uh, flying to another country on a broomstick is a safe idea? Well, well, probably not. <laughs> probably not. There you go. Well, Blake, should we get to the summary? Yeah, let's get into it. Harry wakes up after what seems like minutes to Mrs. Weasley reminding him that it is time to get ready for the Quidditch World Cup. When everyone arrives downstairs, Fred and George lament their lack of an apparition license and their older brothers. That's, I don't know. I didn't even know chance was a word. <laughs> I saw that and I didn't know what to change. That really to. threw me chance? off. Yeah. Chance. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fred and George lament their lack of an apparition license and their older brothers chance for a sleep in. The reason for their early departure is that they have to walk a fair distance to get to the port key site. Harry worries that they are going to walk the entire way to the World Cup, but his thoughts are interrupted by rapid fire shouts of Axio by Mrs. Weasley as tongue tongue toffees fly out of George's clothes. This is enough to set her off, especially given its close occurrence to the Dudley incident. On their walk, Mr. Weasley explains to Harry the challenge of hosting such a large gathering of wizards in a muggle world. The ministry settled on a, on a deserted moor where 100,000 people can congregate with as little notice as possible. The, those able can upright into a nearby woods with everyone else traveling by port keys. Two miles from the borough, they arrive at Stoats Head Hill and meet two other Quidditch patrons, the Diggories. Amos and Cedric exchange warm greetings to the Weasley group, but the topic quickly becomes somewhat awkward as Amos Diggory brags about his son's performance against the famous Harry Potter during their previous Quidditch season. The urgency of travel saves them all from more discussion, and they all grab the old boot and travel rapidly through the air to their destination. As they reach their location, they hear a train station-like announcement of their arrival. You know what I? Uh, I just want the listeners to to know, Josh, uh, that you know we're really committed to this podcast, and and so since Harry wakes up really early, uh, mm. you know, to to start his day, I just wanted uh, the listeners to know that you know both Josh and I, you know, wanted to get that real life experience of what Harry would be feeling. So so we're woken up early to uh, record this this episode. Just uh, you know, we're committed. We committed. That's right. We and and really to carry through that um, authenticity, Blake. We we each had uh, friends' mothers wake us up as well. You know, people we knew pretty well, but kind of still thought would be strange to be waking us up in the morning, um, just to get that initial alarm going. That, that is true. That that's probably where uh, that's probably where where it falls short from uh, what actually has transpired <laughs> this morning. So uh, yes, yeah, so no early early morning, uh, but thankfully because that would be that'd be a little bit creepy. Uh, without forewarning, obviously Harry uh, Harry knows that he's staying in uh, Mrs. Weasley's home, so so that's uh, that's okay. Um, but, uh, Josh, as we see a lot of travel in this, you know, chapter, I think for, for the key theme, we could probably sort of put travel under that, that banner of, of what we have for our key theme. Like, you know, we, we obviously get the, what well, we get shown that we're going to be taking a, a port key and, and we also get a, a bit more discussion around apparition as well. So would you say that travel would be sort of the key theme of this chapter? 
Yeah, yeah, I think so. Both, you know, both of the, the the walking to the Porky site and then also the the Porky that will be taken. We we kind of see one of the the limitations of of these port keys is that you know it's not like one family can just have a port key in their home, even as mm. big of a a group as the Weasleys. But you know they're they're scattered across several distances, and it sounds like the the Diggeries have quite the journey to get to the port key, even while the the Weasley group only travels about two miles. Um, and then obviously the magical travel, which takes place afterwards. Um, and so this, this chapter, Blake is, is a little bit different. And uh, I know we'll get to um, literary devices later, but as some of the previous chapters have, have really been um, character driven with a, a lot of um, introductions to new people and to yeah. what these people are going to be like for this book. This chapter um, really advances the plot and, and says, okay, I know we've been talking about the Quidditch World Cup for a few chapters. We actually need to get there. And so this chapter really does serve that purpose and actually bring us to the site of the Quidditch World Cup. Yeah, it's it's interesting thinking about travel and other chapters within Harry Potter and actually seeing how there isn't, from my memory anyway, there isn't many chapters that have this type of, you know, going from one place to the next, like tra- traveling as such. Like, because once we get to Hogwarts, we're sort of at Hogwarts, you know, and yes, we do go yeah, to- just be the Hogwarts Express, I guess. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, just, you know, and, and you're there. Um, there are, you know, we, we do get into tra- chapters where, you know, the, uh, you know, the students, some of them, uh, Dumbledore's army travel to the ministry of magic and things and and those sorts of traveling chapters they're quite they're quite cool they're quite fun because you know you've you've got to work out ways to travel now for that encounter when we when we're traveling to the ministry of magic uh you know for, for them to to try and save uh, serious black and we'll, we'll see that later on not not in this book but the, the next but the, the the fact that they use thestrals right and they they have a new method of transport like a new method gets introduced and uh, i i think it's quite interesting that you know the those chapters where we are traveling, I don't know, things, things shift in, in the, in the way that the book is going and, and where it's taking place. So I, I, uh, I quite like that, but you know, they're, they're traveling pretty early and it's a, it's a pretty sweet life for the, uh, the older ones that can actually apparate because uh, yeah, they don't, they don't have to wake up uh, uh, the crack of dawn or even earlier than the crack of dawn in the, uh, the, uh, the diggeries case. Cause I think they woke up at like two o'clock in the morning. I know it sounded terrible. Yeah, that, yeah. Sounds, that sounds horrible, very horrible. But uh, can I move to? I, I think too the 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 Diggory's really needed to figure out some kind of intermediate travel step. Like, why couldn't they travel by flu powder to the Weasleys? Say that again, Josh. Sorry. Well, why couldn't the Diggory's travel by flu powder to the Weasleys and then take the port key together? Yeah, that's a good point. It's almost. It's almost like they were closer to, you know, the, the Porky, therefore not having to wake up as much. Um, yeah. Uh, and then they could have just arrived. I mean, they're pretty, I think, f- friendly between people. Like, you know, they, they, they even know if you weren't, I, and, I, yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd ask the question if it meant I didn't have to wake up at two in the morning to start walking. Yeah. It sounds like the diggeries were walking for about five hours. Yeah. That sounds pretty hard. Like, <laughs> My thought was, why, you know, why couldn't they have like waken up, uh, I don't know, four thirty, five o'clock, and then taken like a broom, you know, used it, used a broom to like sort of take. Well, I'm, I'm guessing they would have been flying over over Muggle territory. Uh, um, yeah, but that, so that's why I thought flu powder. You know, that surely that yeah. would have worked. Yeah, I think I think they could have uh, they could have arranged that. I mean, there's some shock factor yeah. there. There's some shock factor being yeah. like, well, they woke up at two. You know, people are committed yeah. to the World Cup. Well, and and I do feel like almost like a. It's kind of yet another Hufflepuff, you know, superiority complex where, you know, they're 
the the diggeries are like, oh yeah, well we've we've been walking since two, and it's like <laughs> you do realize that you know hard work for the sake of hard work might not be the the best plan here, Amos. Maybe yes. you could have, you remember could have, uh, ask. He did. He did. Um, he, he did sort of boast about his son, you know, being better than Harry. That's right. I feel like you, right. you know, he yep. might be. He's a very probably proud man. Um, yeah. You know, if you yeah. did something, well, I well, I could probably do that better. You know, I, yeah. I did that yeah. better. You you woke up early. I woke up at two two a.m. You know, <laughs> I've never been to sleep. That's that's a yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like that person who always got to sort of one up you, you know, yeah, the, the yeah, one up person. Yeah. Um, as I as I mentioned, Josh, um, you know, waking up early like two, 2 a.m. for a World Cup. <clears throat> Pardon me. I remember, um, you know, when New Zealand was in the uh, the Soccer World Cup, which is was mm. very unlikely, but it was a it was a while ago, and uh, you know, it was the pool matches. But for us in New Zealand, watching these games took place at like two or three in the morning. So, you know, I too woke up uh, at about two to to watch uh, you know a World Cup match. Although, I, mind you, I only had to travel from my bedroom to wherever the TV was, and uh, and then therefore I I got to watch it. So no long five hour hikes for me you know in the dead of night uh but uh you know i i understand uh, s- slightly uh and uh you know i mean new zealand probably almost won that world cup we were undefeated josh uh well yeah no we got kicked out anyway anyway what can we like learn about the the diggeries josh uh, we've obviously seen we see two diggeries here and uh what do we what do we see about them well, Amos is a uh, at least acquaintance, perhaps friend of of Arthur Weasley. They both work at the ministry, although um, quite different um, departments, and so it's, it's unsure how often often they see each other. And as mm. we've already mentioned, uh, Mister Mister Amos has great uh, pride in his son's achievements. Um, already <laughs> telling Cedric that you know this is something you'll be able to tell your grandchildren <laughs> that you be. Harry Potter um, and Cedric, on the other hand, um, in addition to being described as very handsome, um, is is extremely humble, right? He yes. he is um, embarrassed by by what his dad is doing, and and the other thing is that we we learn a little bit more about how how much Cedric really tried to uh, fight for a rematch, so that um, yeah the the results would be more more honorable in in his mind he he knows that harry was attacked in the middle of the match and and doesn't feel that he won fairly yeah he's it's a win for hufflepuff that they got cedric diggory or at least you know cedric diggory you know is a hufflepuff very fair right and uh, mm. you know not not boastful in his ability and that yet being like you know it would have been real awkward if he chimed in and was like yeah dad i beat harry but you know it's just, <laughs> it just would be it would be a bit, uh, yeah, a bit wrong, you know, how it went down and uh, when we actually saw that. So, uh, yeah, I think it, it goes to show the contrast between Amos and Cedric is there to see that, mm. right? And so we see, obviously, Amos's character, but then that helps us, especially in this book, because Cedric's going to be sort of a, a, a mainish character or at least come, mm. you know, have, have more lines and, and uh, come a bit more into the light. We're going to need a bit more depth into the character of Cedric right and this this does a great job at sort of subtly hinting being like you know no he's a he's a good person and when we when we look into the you know the I guess the future chapters of this book when Cedric you know Harry helps Cedric out with the the dragons Cedric sort of feels you know obliged that he need you know to make it fear he needs to help Harry out you know and and there's that sort of fairness that is always I guess on his mind to make sure that you know we're sort of in this together so 
I think that, yeah, it works quite well, this little little scene to sort of help you think better of Cedric Diggory. Yeah, that's right. Cedric will be a, a rival of, of Harry's in, in this book, but um, one of the, the spoilers that, that I'm sure we'll, we'll get to soon is that you know, Cedric doesn't make it out of this book alive, sadly. Um, and, and, and really from, from the, from the outset, you know, this first chapter with his, his dad, we, we really get this, this introduction that prepares us who have read the books before um, of, of this relationship that they have They're They're clearly close and, and we're introduced to um, his, his family. And, and so unlike, Unlike some of the other rivals that we might see Harry face, that this is a rival that it's really impossible ever to to really dislike. Um, you know, even when the Slytherins are are trying to uh, make make Cedric the only Hufflepuff champion, or so the yes. only Hogwarts champion, yeah. and um, and the Hufflepuffs are upset with with Harry, um, Cedric never really is. Um, he's, he's maybe a little bit distant at the worst of times, but it's it's pretty much impossible to to hate Cedric, and I think that's what makes his his untimely death so much worse. Is that uh, you know we we never really had a bad feeling against him. No. Definitely not. Yeah, that that's summarized quite well, Josh. Uh, we also see mention of the Lovegood family uh, that you know mm, that might be familiar yeah, just to briefly. some of the listeners, mm. Luna Lovegood, and uh, that they got there sort of a week earlier. And, and we, as we know by the chapter, as they said, you know, people have been arriving sort of two weeks from the actual date of the World Cup, depending on the ticket price. We can kind of assume that the Lovegoods, you know, they're not made of money. Uh, you know, they don't have a whole lot of money, but they've been there camping for a week. Now, now it goes to show, Josh, that like, I think the atmosphere, it seems like the atmosphere would be pretty amazing. So going there a week early could actually be quite a good time for a lot of people, uh, you know, mm. having having been there. Now, yes, you would have to take time off work and things like that. But, you know, to be at a World Cup, you know, getting ready for that. That, that game that's going to happen, I think it would be a pretty fun time to actually be with, you know, some of the other people that, you know, all in a little kind of camping community as uh, is described when we, when we get to those chapters. But, you know, I think it would be pretty fun. I think, I don't know. I feel like I'd want to go at least a few days earlier to get sort of start getting hyped. Well, like presumably there would have been lots of matches going on all the way throughout those weeks. Right. And so um, while you're showing up a oh, week yeah. early for the final, um, if it's anything like the World Cups that we know in our world, uh, there would have been lots of games to go to. And so, you know, it would have been a great time. Um, I'm just like trying to figure out how on earth or what on earth the love goods would do at a Quidditch World Cup. They don't exactly strike me as, as very sporty. Yeah, I, I mean, I was thinking that myself. And then I, I do remember, you know, Luna, I think, uh, you know, uh, at least, uh, you know, uh, remembering in the movies when she's wearing her, it's, I think her, it's common, her commentary. Yeah, yeah. Her commentary, but also her like like lion headdress or something yes she, you yeah, know so she yeah. supports Gryffindor quite a lot so I think maybe you know maybe even amongst the crazy animals and things like that or the magical beasts and things like that that we uh, that we see them them following and exploring for and and you know wanting to to discover then we you know we also they must love Quidditch as well so you know weird people it's something that brings everyone together right (laughs) it's so true especially (laughs) in the wizarding community Uh, but as well as the Lovegood family we see the Fawcett family get mentioned they were unable to get tickets and uh, in chapter 16 of of this book of Goblet of Fire um, when Dumbledore creates that age line around the Goblet of Fire I believe a Miss uh, Miss Fawcett actually uh, pardon me 
uh, Miss Fawcett uh, gets a, a nice long uh, white beard because she tries to cross mm. the line, and, and we can assume that that is the Fawcett that is mentioned from this this family mm. here. So um, I'm assuming uh, she went home that year without a long, you know, white beard because uh, her parents would be uh, a little bit surprised by that. But uh, yeah, so so they didn't they didn't get tickets, and those are sort of the uh, kind of the character new characters, new sort of mentions and things that we that we see. But obviously the degrees being among the main one. But as we come to world building, Josh, port keys is really the biggest thing that this chapter is about. I think this chapter helps set up the port key that we're going to see later on. That's going to be a in, sort of an incredible, uh, I guess, tool or a plot device to, to, to move the plot forward and to change locations when Harry goes to the graveyard. So port keys are very important. They do point to point travel. That's simple as that, but it seems like it takes a lot of work to set one up, like maybe not a lot of work, but um, it takes, you know, not every wizard can create a port key, right? Right. And, and this is, I guess, one of the, the ways that these different travel options are, are differentiated is that they seem to either have, have limitations based on, on, the, on the kind of use or kind of travel that they are, like a, a broomstick is, is yeah. difficult for, you know, it's, it's me, me being uncomfortable and people not liking heights. Um, so, so there has to be this kind of balance of convenience and inconvenience and the, the inconvenience or the difficulty of the port key is that they're, they're ministry regulated and really need to go through a lot of red tape to set one up. Yeah, definitely. You've, you've got to arrange it. And so that when people like Dumbledore come along and do like a sort of a unregistered or unauthorized port key, it's kind of seen as a bit like, oh, you know, because because mm. maybe, you know, you can mess that process up. But I, I do. Yeah, I, I wonder if it's if there's a yeah, fine line between it's a sort of a difficult process versus the actual, you know, enchantment or whatever is is difficult to perform. But clearly it's it's, you know, when we do see that when Dumbledore sets sets one up privately it's uh, doesn't seem mm. to be much work for him but we know that he's a, a great wizard uh, so it seems like if you can set it up it would be great but yeah you do have to jump through a few ministry hoops to do so so it doesn't i don't know it doesn't make it as much of a practical uh method of travel if you're just yeah not doing no. that no and and yet at the same time this is what makes it so perfect for this particular use you know the um, many many people coming together this works really, really well. Um, and, and again, later in, in the books, um, during a time where, where travel is, is particularly difficult, there are port keys opened up back actually to, to Hogwarts as well, right? Um, yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, they do send yeah, people cool. away as well using using the mm. port key side of things. So, yeah. so that's a, that's awesome. And obviously, they have to be uh, regular looking objects so that muggles don't mm. uh, stumble upon them. And uh, hence why that they're using a sort of a dirty old boot. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's obviously you know bits of rubbish and things like that, which makes me think it's pretty impressive that they were able to find the port key. Like maybe it gives off a semi magical feeling, but I'm like, what if they're holding the wrong piece of rubbish, uh, you know? Or It'd be quite uh, funny, wouldn't it? Yeah, or they're holding the wrong boot. But anyway, so so that's there. And there's a, a lovely little article um, there from the Wizarding World. Uh, and uh, we'll link to that in the show notes, but it's about port keys. And there's just that little, uh, Josh, I don't know, you know, you probably read it and it's, it's got that little fun bit of how someone stumbled upon a port key. They touched it and they went to a Celestina Warback uh, concert and uh, they, mm. one of them got invited up on the stage to, uh, to even perform with her. So, uh, you know, if you're in the right place at the right time, you never know where you're going to go. There you go. There you it's go. the sort of the, the tagline well, like that, of a that, port key. That other, 
exactly but but that other thing that you just mentioned that other limitation of of time is is also a pretty significant one for for the porky you know they're um they're set to you know kind of activate at a certain time which is a pretty big limitation when you consider you know if you're traveling with with flu powder obviously you have a lot of freedom there um but a porky is is like a public transport option you know you you have to be there at a certain time and that's that's true why the diggeries left at two in the morning right there the porky (laughs) was going to be available open on however you want to use that um so i'm not quite sure blake we'll we'll have to talk about it more later on in the book but when when uh mad eye moody aka barty crouch jr sorry for all the spoiler alerts right there um (laughs) turns turns the trophy the Mm. goblet of fire itself into a point there doesn't seem to be a time it's it's whenever the winner touches it so i i don't have an explanation for that yet but it is a question in my mind there you go. I mean, if, if our listeners are aware of this sort of, uh, hmm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say it's an error just yet, but uh, if people have discovered the answer to that, love to hear uh, hear about it. So send that into us as we sort of do mm-hmm. our research on the back end. But yeah, that that is a, that is an interesting point because that is whenever, the, it's not like a set time where people are going to yeah. be holding this yeah. trophy. And, a different you know, a different condition was, yeah. was the... So maybe, the, maybe the, that's just thing, another yeah. method, right, of of um, yeah, I don't know. T- removing that time limit, but mm. yeah, we'll look into we'll look into that. Uh, well, we'll see, Josh. Uh, Quidditch World Cup. Obviously, this is gearing up, and we're going to see a bit more uh, in regards to this point uh, in the next chapter. But they do have to find such a large property to essentially have the World Cup in, from the stadium to you know the tent sites and everything. And uh, and I love how they have to use kind of like a like muggles, and eventually we'll see some of the muggles uh, in the next chapter. But uh, they, uh, I just I, I just wonder why they don't send the muggles away on some kind of you know holiday trip or something like that to just mm-hmm. get them all out of the way. Instead, they kind of use them, and then they have to perform memory charms on them. But Josh, mm. we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that next chapter. Uh, but w- what do we kind of see uh, about apparition? Because we so we'll get a better look into apparition this chapter. Yeah, well, the the thing that I guess is, is interesting is that like, I guess, a comparison to travel in the, in the muggle world, apparition kind of seems to be similar to driving in a way where, where you need a license, you need to pass a test. Um, and, we, and we know that at least a couple of Ron's brothers um, have um, not only got their license, but Charlie has also failed his test. And, and so it's it, it seems... yeah it, it, I think, Blake, we we have a lot more questions than answers when it comes to apparition at this point in the series. Um, I, I'd love to know some statistics on on how many people have their license because, yeah, it, you know, several times over, I, I haven't counted obviously, but several times over, um, apparition is is mentioned for how difficult it is, and then you see it being taught in in school in in the sixth year, and then you see people going and taking their tests, and it seems like people pass eventually. So I'm I'm just not quite sure if if people get their license and then don't travel, um, because that would be quite different than a driver's license, or if a lot of people can't get it because they still can't do it. I'm I'm a bit confused on that myself. Yeah, um, because we you know we we don't get any statistics, just get told repeatedly how hard it is. Yeah, um, and and the reason why people might be a bit reserved or um, hesitant is this idea of splinching, which is a, a pretty big negative side effect of the apparition. Yeah. It's, it's described, I guess, in this chapter as someone left half their body behind, uh, which mm. seems like that would deter me from, uh, from pursuing apparition, but 
I, I think that uh, that might have been uh, a little bit uh, hyperbolic uh, or, you know, hyperbole, uh, where uh, it's a bit extreme. Mm. But I think, yes, there is, you know, we still would lose little bits of arms or legs or leave a toe or foot behind or however, and then that would have to be magically fixed somehow, um, you know, bringing the two together. And, uh, but yes, yeah, splinching is no joke. And it sounds like, and it's, you know, that's, that's the, the consequence of uh, not properly apparating. And uh, I can't imagine because, you know, when you apparate to a certain point and you're telling everybody to apparate it, you know, come in at these times, what if you like, you know, at the same time, apparate to the same place as someone like you're going to be, you're going to be splinched <laughs> together. And, and that idea just, yeah, that just freaks me out. So, you know, that's, uh, and uh, you're not like, not, not splinched together, but like welded together or something, ooh, you know, you, that's you, so yeah, nasty. Yeah. <laughs> that's nasty. Well, and, and we, and we do see our good friend, Ron, Ron Weasley splinch himself at least twice. Right. Yeah. Um, he splinches himself in his first test um, and, uh, and has an eyebrow missing. Um, and then <laughs> pretty easy then way to get off. I think a pretty easy way to get off. Like one yes. eyebrow missing. That's not yeah. that bad, but yes, go on. Yeah. He fails his test for that. And then, the the second time is much more serious when he is in the um, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows when he splinches himself and he has a big arm injury. Remember that um, where, where oh, they're um, yeah. leaving leaving the ministry and and quite a, a bad splinching there. Yeah, that was nasty, eh? And the, and they did such a mm. good job on the uh, the film at like actually showing that. Like you just think, mm. oh no way, I do, I do not want to lose part of my part of my arm like that. That looks nasty. Um, another thing that we see in world building is uh, you know a location, Stoats Head Hill. Uh, so that's just a another location located outside Ottery Saint Catchpole. Uh, so there you go, another another location yeah. uh, in Britain. Well, and. Uh- Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mike. No, no, no. That's that's it. You go for it. Yeah. Oh, and and just another little uh, inside joke here. Almost, you know, we have the the Stoats Head Hill uh, located very near to the Weasleys' home, so we kind of have a, a Weasel Stoat um, pun here, uh, which is was quite funny. Um, Stoat being part of the Weasley Weasel family, um, and the Weasleys being nearby. Um, and kind of on that on that note of a a bit of a a, d- a plot device, we've already mentioned the. Um, sorry, oh, Josh, can I on, jump on in the, and just ask yeah. you, uh, you know, what, what's the difference between uh, a stoat and a weasel? Well, Blake, are you are you wanting me to look it up real quick? No, 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 no. I'm just I'm just I'm seeing if you know, because uh, one way is uh, is stoats is totally different and weasels are weaselly weaponized. So um, <laughs> that's terrible. That is so bad. It's terrible. All right. Sorry. Continue mm. with literary devices, Josh. My goodness. <laughs> well, Blake, I've already mentioned uh, that <laughs> that the plot advances quite a bit in this in this book. We we, we have a setting change. We move from the the, the burrow to uh, the Quidditch World Cup, and this will really set the stage for um, some of the the known and unknown problems of of the book. So, um, there's going to be some some secrets that we aren't quite sure going on after the Quidditch World Cup, as well as some um, some some known issues such as the Death Eaters uh, appearance. And so uh, this is a key location for the book and really does um, get us a lot um, of of preparation for some of the later things that we'll be introduced to. Yeah, definitely. Um, another literary device. I don't know if it is that. It's, it's almost comes under the sort of the wording that Rowling uses or, or Watch uses and the sort of forms of 
expressions that are unique to obviously the world like and and for example in this chapter we get that the merlin's beard you know that sort of exclamation that expression mm. that people use uh this one's of, of surprise like oh merlin's beard you know and in surprise and uh i quite like that they use merlin in this way like you know this great sort of uh, uh magician Arthurian of character. old uh, Arthurian yeah. character exactly and they use him you know i think it's like mergen's saggy you know beard or or his baggy wife fronts and like they use a whole bunch of them and so i just thought i'd put that in here because merlin's beard is uh is a wonderful one that we do see in uh, in mm. other books as well and uh, to to show surprise which I, I thought is is quite a clever way to kind of show su- surprise but in a unique way to the wizarding world to the mm. book that, that rolling uses which is which is pretty cool yeah yeah um and and then moving on to to some foreshadowing we get three three key um story elements introduced in this chapter which which really um, are, are not done in a, in a way that would lead us to think that they're going to play a major role. And, and yet they do. Yeah. Um, we're introduced to the, the Axio um, spell or charm um, by, by Mrs. Weasley trying yeah. to bring out the, <laughs> Axio, the toffees Axio, from, Axio. from her son's pockets. And, and that's going to be the way that, that Harry is able to um, score the, the highest score in the uh, first, first test, first challenge of the, of the, um, of the um, Triwizard Tournament. So that's mm. going to be key. Um, the port key is going to obviously be the very thing that transports Harry and Cedric um, to the graveyard at the very end of, of the book. Um, and then finally, Cedric. We we don't know who this character is. And and yet, if our, um, if our kind of J.K. Rowling um, sensors are going off, we should think to ourselves, this new character must be important if, if he's being introduced here. So... Um, Three three key story elements that are are going to be um, hugely important, and yet they're introduced with a lot of discretion right at the beginning. It's not like we're kind of banged over the head with them, but they're kind of just dropped here um, without any further explanation, and then we'll we'll see why we are ex- uh, exposed to them here. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't know that these three things are going to come back later and relate to one another so closely. So it's uh, it's really well done here. And uh, significance of this chapter, well, Harry and the Weasley party, they finally arrived, right, at the Quidditch World Cup. And that's where we're going to actually see uh, some important events happen. And, uh, you know, when you actually look at this whole book, there's a lot of pre-Hogwarts stuff, right? Pre-Hogwarts chapters mm, to this book. Yeah. And uh, and I think that's why we we start seeing these books get longer and longer. You know, there's there's more room to to play around with the plot that happens before getting to Hogwarts and, uh, and, you know, laying a good foundation for what is to come. So, so that's the significance. So thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're an Apple user, don't forget to leave a rating and review your support helps keep magic alive. You can send us questions on our Instagram email or website, muffleyautopodcast.com to continue the adventure. Join us next time as we discuss the seventh chapter of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, Bagman and Crouch. Cool. Nice. Beautiful. All right. Yeah.